Welcome to the Mission Cleveland weekly podcast. Encouragement and hope in a despairing world. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, how we need you. Every second, every minute, every hour, every day, Lord, we need you. I need you, Lord, in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you come and just make your word come to life for us this evening? Would you teach us and encourage us and just cover us, Lord, in your deep, deep love for us. In Christ's name, amen. 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 Hunger. It's one of the most basic human responses to one of the most basic human needs. We have to eat to live, right? And when we are hungry, our bodies do not hesitate to tell us. So when we're hungry, we may get faint or lightheaded. Maybe our minds get distracted. Some of us get really irritable and angry, otherwise known as hangry. (laughs) I was hangry today. Anybody else? (laughs) Uh, One of the most obvious things that, that happens when we're hungry is our stomachs growl, right? And for me, this is one of the most embarrassing things that could happen to me. I don't know if anyone feels this way. I'd rather fall flat on my face in front of you than be in a quiet room and my stomach growl and everyone look like, who was that? But once we eat, once we are satisfied, these symptoms obviously tend to be alleviated very quickly. And so, of course, I'm referring to physical hunger, but there's also this reality of spiritual hunger that I think most of us know well. Um, And I think the term longing fits pretty well with that type of hunger. And the Bible has quite a bit to say about both types of hunger, but especially about this spiritual hunger. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And Mary, in her Magnificat, says he has filled the hungry with good things. And on down in our reading today, in verse 35 of John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And hunger, apparently, is what this massive crowd is experiencing today in our gospel passage that Father Luke just read. But what I don't think the crowd realizes is that they are about to receive a fulfillment and a nourishment far, far beyond what their bodies can contain. And most of us probably know this, but there weren't just 5,000 people there that day. Scripture tells us there were 5,000 men. Shout out to all the women and children who were left out of that. Okay, just saying. So there were probably about 20,000 if, um, 
if, if that's probably more accurate, probably 20,000, tens of thousands people of people there that day. And so why such a large crowd? Well, it was Passover, so that's likely why there are so many people gathered in one space because they have journeyed there for this feast. So they've seen what Jesus is capable of. They want to see more. They want to be near him. And so as he tries to move away from the chaos, because he also knows it's Passover and that there's going to be all these people there, as he tries to move away, they give him no such respite, and they follow him. And so the people on the mountainside that day in that crowd are likely looking back as they encounter Jesus. And what I mean by that is, Again, it's Passover. They, they likely have the prophet Moses swirling around in their heads. They have Israel's deliverance from Egypt. They have the first Passover. All of these things are likely on their minds. And so we can see those parallels and those connections in this story pretty clearly. For example, the wilderness. Obviously, Moses and the Israelites journeyed through the wilderness. Well, here we have somewhat of a precarious location, right? All it says is that they're on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. We don't get much information about their location. Of course, we have Moses as prophet then, and we have Jesus as prophet in this story. We have manna from heaven then, and then we get bread and fish in this story, both that provide leftovers. So it's no wonder that after they are miraculously fed that they exclaim in verse 14, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Because they have Moses on their mind. Moses the prophet. Jesus the prophet. And that's important to keep in mind for us. So they're likely looking back in that moment. But we, however, as we read this story, we are looking ahead. We look ahead to another meal, a Passover meal, where Jesus took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, a meal that changed everything, the Last Supper, right? So we look ahead both biblically and chronologically because we know that comes next, but we also look ahead to the day when we eat this feast anew with Jesus, when we're with him. So they look back, we look ahead. So really for the remainder of this homily, I want to look at one verse, and that's verse 11. I think there's a slide for it. Thanks, Oren. It says, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. This is the model of a Passover meal being fulfilled in Christ. This is a sign pointing ahead to what's to come, pointing those present that day on the mountainside and those of us here now, those of us in the body of Christ, to the greatest truth. That there is abundance and there is fulfillment in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in his body and in his blood. And he, like John, goes on to tell us in verse 35, which I mentioned previously, that he is the bread of life and that whoever comes to him shall never, ever hunger again. So as Jesus meets the tangible need that day, as he satisfied, satisfies the crowd's physical hunger, he is simultaneously offering them fulfillment of their deepest spiritual longings. They likely don't even know it. Just like Carolyn mentioned last week in reference to the man at the pool of Bethesda, when Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed he is referring to his physical healing, yes, but he's also referring to the healing of his whole self, 
mind, body, soul, spirit. He's offering so much more in that moment and with that question than physical healing. And I believe it's the same story in our gospel passage today. So this leads me to attempt to answer the question that we've been trying to answer in each of these homilies on these seven signs of Jesus. And that's the question of what do I love about Jesus in this passage? My real answer would be so much. There's so, so much here. You could have so many sermons on this passage. There's so much that we could unpack about who Jesus is and what he's doing and what he's offering here. But what stands out to me maybe the most, again, comes from that same verse, verse 11. I'll just read it one more time. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. Here's what I envision when I read that. I I envision Jesus walking slowly, stooping down, looking each person in in the eye as he distributes the bread and the fish. Surely the disciples helped him, right? There were a lot of people there that day. Nonetheless, this act functioned as both a deeply communal feeding and I believe also a deeply personal feeding. Name it what you will, the intentionality of Jesus feels deeper than that. Maybe the generosity of Jesus perhaps the compassion of Jesus, maybe just the deep, deep love of Jesus. But whatever it is that compelled him in the midst of a crowd that, remember, he was initially trying to escape, trying to get away from, whatever it was that compelled him to stoop down and offer abundance in the form of multiplied bread and fish, that is what I'm most drawn to about Jesus. A few weeks ago, Father Luke referenced Frederick Buechner, who is an author and a thinker that has had a tremendous impact on my heart and my life. And a few weeks ago, he had just recently passed. So as I was working through this homily and reading through the passage, it made me think of a story that he writes about in um, one of his books. And so I want to share that story with you. When Frederick Buechner was, I think, in probably young adulthood, he attended an Episcopal service, and it was time to receive communion. And so at this particular church, he was an acquaintance with the priest, but not a good friend. Um, and so he goes up to the kneeling bench, and I think he's, he notes that there were two or three people a- ahead of him. So the priest started, and he could hear him. You know, he would go to the first person. This is the body of Christ, the bread of heaven. This is the body of Christ, the bread of heaven. This is the body of Christ, the bread of heaven. He said he got to me, and he said one word that he didn't say to anybody else. He said, the body of Christ, Freddie, the bread of heaven. And he said, I knew he knew my name. It wasn't weird that he knew my name. I knew this guy, but he didn't say anybody else's name. And so he writes about, he writes some reflections about that experience and how it impacted his life, and Here's what he says. He says, For the first time in my life, perhaps, it struck me that when Jesus picked up the bread at his last meal and said, This is my body, which is broken for you, he was doing it not just in a ritual way for humankind in general, but in an unthinkably personal way 
for every particular man, woman, and child who ever existed or someday would exist. He said, most unthinkable of all, as far as I was concerned, maybe he was doing it for me. I read earlier this week about the sacraments. I feel like a common definition of sacraments is a visible sign of an invisible grace, and I love that definition. But I read this this week, and it caught my attention. So the sacraments are the embodiment of the proclaimed and heard gospel in physical form, the gospel given shape in water, bread, and wine. So in that case, the sacraments, they they serve us as physical reminders of what we have heard and what we believe because we're physical creatures and sometimes believing and hearing can be hard for us to do. And so we have the gospel preached to us over and over again, like right now, so we can hear it. And we have the same gospel given to us so that we can taste and touch and feel it with our hands and our mouths and our bodies. Because that day, in that crowd, Jesus doesn't tell them anything. What does he do? He feeds them. He meets them where they are in their human bodies and in their human need. And he offers a bigger story about his gospel truth. The sacraments are deeply communal. But let us not forget that they are also deeply personal. This is why it's important that if we know your name, we say it when you come forward to receive communion. This bread and this cup, they are for you, collective, but they're also for you, personally. Do you believe that? Amen. As you come this evening, may you hear your name spoken from the lips of Jesus. May your eyes lock with the eyes of Jesus, because I know that he longs to feed you. I pause to say, (laughs) I realize that if, now I've put myself in a position where if we don't say your name, (laughs) that's not going to look great. (laughs) Some of you are new. We may not know your name. I'll be honest, sometimes you come forward, and if I've known you for 10 years, I forget your name (laughs) in that moment. But I think it's good to hear your name when you come and eat. And maybe as you come forward to receive, maybe you really aren't that hungry. Or maybe you are, but you really don't know quite what you're hungry for. Maybe you are someone who is sprinting or limping. It doesn't matter how you get here to the table each week, but you know what it is that you are longing for. I had a friend recently tell me that when it gets near the end of the service, sometimes her kids will look at her and say, Mom, I'm hungry. And she'll say, Good, it's almost time for communion. (laughs) You may laugh at that because I did the first time, but think about that. Let that sit with you. The reality is that we are satisfied at this table. We are filled at this table. We are offered abundance at this table. And once we've tasted, may our response be like the people in John 6, who after Jesus talked about this bread coming from heaven that will satisfy their deepest longings. May we be like the people who said, give us this bread 
always. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us at the Mission Cleveland next week.